This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. There's no ROI on TMI. That's why TD Ameritrade created a learning experience that will actually learn with you. Curated from their vast library of exclusive content, it customizes to fit your investing goals, interests, and needs, so you get exactly the information you need and none of the information you don't. Get started at tdameritrade.com education. Once again, that's tdameritrade.com education. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. What can I say? I mean, you can't keep a good market down. We got a fantastic report from Costco, an amazing set of numbers from Kramer fave Adobe, and suddenly we're off to the races without any real worry about last-minute status of darn tax bill, which is looking more and more likely that it will become law. Next thing you know, the Dow rockets 143 points. NASDAQ, Smith's P rallies 0.9%. NASDAQ pole vaults up 1.17%. That was easy. Because it is easy, isn't it? I mean, look, we still don't even know what's finally going to happen in Washington. But as I told you last night, we're in a damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead moment. And I am telling you, it's underrated by everybody because of corporate earnings. Witness the, ooh, witness the pin action from Costco and Adobe. So while the specter of Washington still haunts the market, good or bad, even Congress's suboptimal way of creating legislation can't stop these averages from going higher. Will it continue? Well, since earnings are really in charge here, despite that you think it might just be the tax code, I went over the last night. You can cut it, you can raise it. It doesn't really matter. What matters are earnings. Let's go right to next week's game plan. Now, the big competition to stocks is bonds. So let me put this scene, scene center here. Obviously, on Monday, we want to see what finally happens to that tax bill. We also go get some, inf- go get some inflation numbers from the Eurozone. And I wish these weren't so important, but they're linked to us. Let me explain. They may hold the key to what happens with our longer-term interest rates. And those, in turn, are the competition to stocks, but also something that need to go higher. As I said before, if the bank stocks are going to keep climbing, the market leaders, we need to see longer-term interest rates go up. My thesis is that they may not go higher unless the Federal Reserve dumps its bonds. Fingers crossed that incoming Fed Chief Jay Powell is watching. Hey, Jay. And more important, Europe raises interest rates. Here's the issue. Rates are so ridiculously low in Europe that foreign money is flooding into our bonds and has been for a long time. That pushes our rates down because they're buying the bonds. Interest rates go down. Alas, the European Central Bank reiterated this week that they're going to keep rates low. Now, it may be the right decision for them, but it is holding back our bonds when, therefore, it's less ideal for American banks. But if inflation picks up, Eurozone CPI on Monday, uh, then I think the Europeans will, will stop the easing and think about tightening just like we are, thus sending our longer-term rates up and with them our bank stocks. So you can bet that if we get a higher inflation number from Europe on Monday, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, and Citi 
Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, they will continue to roar. And the banks are such a powerful leadership group in this market, they could end up pulling the whole tape with them. They're more important than tech. They are bigger and more important. Now, I know it's crazy that what they do over there really matters over here, but my biggest worry about this market is that the banks aren't making enough money from lending. And why does that matter? Well, that could cause a slowdown in 2018 if we aren't careful. It is my biggest worry. Going into 2018, I worry about the banks not lending, which is the last thing we need when the Fed is tightening. That's how you get a recession, for heaven's sake. So we're in this nutty position of wanting more inflation in Europe if we want to eliminate a major risk to the markets continue to move higher. Tuesday's Chocolate Block with actual earnings. First, we hear from Carnival, and we hear from Darden. And, uh, you know, the restaurant chain that's also known as Olive Garden. And, and I'm expecting terrific reports from both. All of the cruise lines have transcended where they go to. I mean, a lot of them go to Caribbean. It's a chief destination. And it still hasn't recovered from the terrible storm damage. But people keep signing up for cruises in record numbers. Why is that? They've become the ultimate experiential vacations. And we know the pre-bookings are very strong. We heard it from, you know, we, we, we've talked to all the different cruise lines. Now, Darden did not have that good a quarter last time. But I think the economy's doing a little better from last time. People start to merge their cocoons and go out to a sit-down dinner again, and that means they're going to Darden. When retail sales are strong, and Costco sure says that things are, restaurants will eventually do better. And this is the quarter that they're going to start. After the close Tuesday, we have three hugely important quarters. FedEx, Micron, and Red Hat. And if all three are strong, we are going to have a rip snorting rally again the next morning. First, there's FedEx, which I think will be very good. I say that because last night, Adobe, which is the ultimate arbiter of online sales, told us that e-commerce is in fuego. That's great. It, it, I think FedEx will have no problem handling all that e-commerce holiday demand. It's just too well run to let that happen. I like FedEx. Ultimately, I think you can go to 300. Micron is tougher. The giant semiconductor company has not one but two business lines. It has DRAMs, which is the basic commodity storage chip, and it has flash memory, which is ubiquitous in every mobile device. The former's had very strong pricing, but the latter, however, has not been doing as well. People think that flash pricing is going to peak in 2018. If Micron can't blow, blow away the numbers, or if it revises its forecast down at all because of weakness in flash, then the semiconductor stock rally will fizzle. You'll see the LAM researches go down. You'll see the KLA 10 cores go down. And you'll see applied materials go down. So we have to have a good number, but not just a good number, a good forecast from MU. Finally, there is Red Hat which does more to onboard companies onto the cloud than pretty much everybody else. Uh, if this one delivers, and again, like the other two that report Tuesday evening, I think it will, then we're going to have another big move, and it's going to be in Salesforce. It's going to be in ServiceNow, Adobe again, VMware, which we had on this Nutanix we had on. By the way, VMware, they also do a lot of, uh, remember, they try to get it so that your on-premise can go off-cloud uh, go to the Amazon Web Service or other clouds. And so they're an analog to Red Hat. So they will be up the most if Red Hat reports a good number, okay? All these companies are doing stupendously. The pin action off all of these will be incredible. That's why this day is so important. General Mills reports Wednesday, and I'm super worried about this one because the stock has run up seven straight points lately. I'm calling it vulnerable. 
Now, we got a rumor today that Campbell's Soup is going to buy Snyder Lance. That's a snack company. It's a deal that will be fabulous for the Soup King. I bet you they pull it off. But if it does occur Monday, then I bet the stock of General Mills will jump because people say, oh, let's put a lot of consolidation in food. And that's when I want you to lighten up a little bit on the company's stock. I think that good news here means sell some here. Now, the stocks of a lot of retailers have been jumping of late. Everyone from Costco today to Walmart to Foot Locker, Target, Macy's. But you know what? If we get a good quarter from Bed Bath & Beyond, which is a retailer that's been blasted repeatedly by the Death Star that is Amazon, then you're going to see another leg up to the retail rally. That's a big if, though, as Bed Bath hasn't exactly had the most consistent execution. You hear the theme, though, right from me? Rally, rally, rally. Like last night when everyone went home and they were throwing away stocks. Rally. The hits keep coming. On Thursday, Accenture reports. And it's run so much that now you have to wait until it delivers a so-called disappointment. I say so-called because Accenture stock has this pattern. Almost every single quarterly report from this amazing information technology expert induces selling. And it always proves to be nothing more than a recharge before the stock resumes its long march higher. I think it does the same thing again. We also hear from CarMax, a car retailer. I think people who got their insurance checks from the storm damage in Florida and Texas have been car shopping. I like the stock ahead of earnings. And while I'm concerned about General Mills, I'm actually downright excited about seeing the report from ConAgra, which I think will give you a very good, very good number. Their store, their stuff has a lot in the, in the freezer aisle. Millennials like that, okay? So I think that ConAgra is going to give you a nice upside surprise. A suggestion. If General Mills doesn't give you a crowd pleaser and the whole group trades down on Mills, remember, they all trade together, buy some stock in ConAgra for the next day's report. That's for the traders out there. I think ConAgra could be a long-term situation, though. Then they give you another oddball idea. I'm, like, full of them tonight. Finish line reports in the AM, okay? Finish line reports in the AM. And you, we'll go through it together. But I've got to tell you, and I'll be uh, talking about it on uh, Squawk on the Street. But Nike reports after. So we can see how Nike's doing from talking to Finish Line. Now, we caught an upgrade of Finish Line just today. And if it turns out to be right, then you might want to buy some Nike as it reports Thursday after the close. Stocks had a nonstop run since it hit bottom in the middle of 50s, where the analysts fled on mass. But a good number... And Nike, even as much as it is, gets a second win because it's still behind a lot of the Dow stocks. Now, along comes a favorite that could blow away the numbers, and that is Cintas. That's the biggest uniform supplier in the country. One look at that strong employment number we got a week ago. That tells me that Cintas is going to shoot the lights out. The stock's been a horse, and if you have some horse sense, you'll buy some Cintas. Friday's an unofficial day off, given that Monday's Christmas. But after the plethora of earnings this week, you know what? We're going to need a break. So here's the bottom line. Earnings have been the secret sauce to this market. And I think that the strength continues as better than expected sales and profits just keep driving us higher. Next week, it should be no exception. Let's go to Hank in New York. Hank. Hey, Jim. Love your show. Thank you. Hey, I'm calling about Dexcom. Uh, my daughter's a type 1 diabetic, and she wears the Dexcom G5 sensor. Eli Lilly announced that they were getting into Dexcom space and Dexcom, Dexcom stock tumbled. Now Eli Lilly is saying that they want to work with Dexcom. So can you give me your thoughts on Dexcom's future? Okay, well, we, what we were most concerned about is that Abbott has gotten involved and Abbott was going after uh, Dexcom. But Dexcom has this great niche of the highest and safest 
least, uh, let's say, the most definite uh, reading on the situation. And that's why we think that DXCM was overly punished when Abbott decided to go against them. I think you're fine with Dexcom, and I hope your daughter's fine, too. All right, man, this market's hard to keep down, isn't it? That's because earnings have been crunchy yet. And I expect more of it next week. Oh, man, money tonight. It's a company that keeps the technology running at Domino's, Twilio, and even the Department of Defense. I'll reveal the name just ahead. Then, the weather outside is frightful. So tonight I'm pitting Canada Goose against Columbia Sportswear. Find out which stock could warm up your portfolio. And today's the last day to sign up for 2018 coverage through the Affordable Care Act. I'm talking to a CEO with a major role in the exchanges to find out what it means for your money. Don't miss my exclusive with Kramer fave, Centene. Stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. As much attention as we give to IPOs that skyrocket right out of the gate, think like Fitbit, the truth is that often big long-term winners come public to very little fanfare. Take Atlassian. That's the team, T-A-E-M, for all you home gamers. It's a software company that helps enterprises with collaboration, tracking, communication, service management, and development products. Basically, they make software for other software developers, but they also make life easy. Now, Atlassian was kind of a dud when it came public at the end of 2015. Remember, I always tell you, look for these. It declined 20% right out of the gate. But over time, this thing has justifiably caught fire. Stock's now up a monster 95% year-to-date. Why? Well, this is one of the rare recent tech IPOs. It's both cash flow positive and flat-out profitable. It's not trying to lose as much money as possible. You know those that we always say, be careful on? It means you can actually slap a real valuation on it. Even better, the company's been putting up some stellar results, including a nice top and bottom line beat reported in late October. Phenomenal 42% revenue growth. 42%? Can the momentum stay? Let's dig deeper with Mike Cannon-Brooks. He's the co-founder and co-CEO of Atlassian Corporation. Learn more about his company and his prospects. Mr. Cannon-Brooks, welcome to Mad Money. How are you? Thank, Thank you for coming, Thank man. You. Thank you. Thanks I know you rang, rang the uh, opening bell for the NASDAQ. That's terrific. Uh, you have a lot of good products, but I'm going to go close to home immediately. Sure. Uh, you probably don't know what this is, but this is a Philadelphia Eagles touchdown train. You have the Philadelphia Inquirer and Philly.com, which I check in multiple times a day as a customer. We Maybe did. you can tell us what you do for them. Uh, sure. Well, we help teams at those, uh, those businesses to right. collaborate better. So running projects, uh, communicating with each other, uh, uh, working on documents together. So anything that teams do, uh, we help them uh, uh, work better together. Now, what, tell me what the difference is between you and Slack say. What do you guys do? Uh, sure. I mean, Slack is a messaging product right. uh, that helps with uh, a piece of the communication puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a much broader family of products that help with everything from project management through communications to service management as well, as we said. Okay. Now, there's a um, Jira service desk. Am I pronouncing it? Jira? Yep. And uh, it's on fire. And I was trying to figure out who your customers are and why it's doing so well. Sure. I mean... Uh, our mission is to, uh, as I said, unleash the potential of every team. Right. And one of the things that Service Desk is really uh, uh, catching on to is teams themselves, we do a lot of things within a team. Mm-hmm. What Service Desk helps is two teams that have to work together. 
um, especially teams that you don't traditionally think of as service teams. So if you have to go to legal to get an NDA approved or a contract, right. they're actually providing you with a service, and that's the sales team dealing with the legal team. So service desk helps those two teams connect in a really efficient way. Um, so it turns business teams into service teams delivering to other teams inside the business. Well, instead of one-on-one -on -one email or people trying to figure out where someone is and trying to figure out what that other guy or other a woman is doing, you can all see it in one site. Sure, and they can define uh, channels, if you like. If it's a legal team, it's a good example. Um, an NDA might have a 24-hour turnaround. Mm -hmm. A big contract might be a month. So you can divide different channels and see what, what's holding you up. Uh, whether you need more lawyers or less lawyers in that business. Now, I have seen Salesforce have a product called Chatter, which I've used, mm -hmm. and I was thinking, well, geez, you must be a competitor to that. And then I checked in with Mark Benioff. You guys are partners on things. Yeah, we're a big partner with Salesforce on a lot of different things. So yeah. tell us where you fit in, because we came back from Dreamforce, and I didn't see, you know, you guys are behind-the-scenes people. I saw a lot of the front people. But tell us how you co uh, cooperate with them, because that's been a big winner for, for people who watch the show. Sure. Um, I mean, uh, Service Desk is a good example um, with our, our software development products, so Jira Software and Bitbucket. Um, we do a lot of work, uh, obviously, alongside their CRM solutions. Mm -hmm. So if you're using Service Desk to manage your customer relationships, um, that at some point meets your back-end creation teams, right. uh, designers, software developers, product managers, and we do really well in that space as well. So that's one area where we collaborate. Right. Quite well, I'm, gl I'm glad you mentioned Bitbucket. I, I, I'm old enough to be able to say this. I don't quite understand what they do, and so I have to ask you. Sure. Um, Bitbucket turns software into a collaboration problem. So all of our tools are about teams collaborating mm -hmm. um, uh, within different domains. Okay. When you're writing code nowadays, you don't really write it by yourself. Uh, right. You generally write it with a team of people, and they have feedback on your code, much like document reviews, if you like, in okay. Word. Okay. Um, so it allows you to do that on, on software code to have a better, better end product, better code, less security flaws, those sorts of things. So someone who maybe has questions about what they're writing can share with others and they teach them to do better? That's right. Or if there's team. a way of doing team. something or people looking for problems, um, you might be a junior engineer and a senior engineer kind of reviews what you're doing before it gets into the application now into the world where it's much harder to fix that. All right. Now, your company's a competitive company. I say that because you had a $50 million bet with e your company with Elon Musk about Tesla's giant battery? Uh, personally, that was not technically the company. Right. Yeah, so could you, so personally, <laughs> just give us a little of the flavor because that's kind of a high rolling bet. Sure. Uh, I mean, the 50 million is a bit of a, a nominal interesting number. But uh, yeah, he, he had said that he could fix uh, one of the states in Australia was having some real power problems mm -hmm. and it became a political football. And uh, I, he had said that he could fix it. And I challenged him that if he said he could, was he really serious about this? Um, Elon said he was, and I uh, helped behind the scenes to kind of make sure that uh, they got connected with the politics and the money, and we, uh, yeah, we now have the biggest battery in the world uh, sitting in South Australia. It's three times the size it, of any battery man has ever uh, produced. Jesus, the guy delivered, huh? That's big, yeah. Did he get the 50 or some sort of cooperation? Uh, he got the deal done in under 100 days, so yeah, and he, you, he won the bet. And you actually wrote him a... No, 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 no. Well, he, he, got, he got the business. He got oh, the okay, because, so you know, it's more than that's a actually a great I feel bad that I didn't know this story until I looked into your company. I mean, right. that's a great positive story, isn't sure. it? Sure, yeah. We're trying to change the politics into a positive direction for renewables, for sure. I, I may also tell you that you're only the second Australian. The other one was in a power company. I don't really want to mention that's ever come on. I bet you have a thriving writing, uh, code writing and tech community there. We do. We have a very great uh, technology industry in Australia. It's, um, it's certainly had a really banner five or six years, so um, I'm pretty proud of what well, we're uh, putting up as a company. I'm thrilled you came on the show. I All really right. am. This is very exciting. Okay, that's Mike Cannon Brooks, and he's co CEO of Atlassian. You should look at this company because the symbol T E A M, team. 
is for real. Stay with Kramer. Winter is not coming. Winter is here. Last weekend, it snowed in Louisiana, all places. And if you live in the New York metro area, you're freezing, your appendage is off. We may be about to get the first truly cold winter in years, global warming notwithstanding. So tonight, I want to highlight two of the most prominent winter weather apparel plays. I bet you know these. Columbia Sportswear, which has been on a couple of times in the show, and its new challenger, although I think there's room for everybody, Canada Goose, you know, patch company, which came public earlier this year. Both of these stocks are on fire. After spending a couple of years lost in the wilderness, Columbia's rallied from the mid-50s in August up to nearly $70 as of today. Meanwhile, and I say this with great humility, because, of course, that's all about me, Canada Goose has given you a monster 64% gain since I recommended it back in March at $16 a share, and nobody liked the darn thing. Holy cow, maybe this Kramer guy actually knows what he's talking about. That's a scary thought. But here's the problem. After these terrific runs, we've got to ask ourselves if either of these winter wear stocks still has more room to run. Has Columbia's comeback you know, run its course? Or could this be the beginning of another multi-year move like the one we saw back in 2013 or 2014 when we first got involved with the stock? Is Canada Goose in the early stages of a fabulous long-term growth story that needs to be embraced right now? Or has the stock become prohibitively expensive after this huge move? Let's dig deeper to find out. For starters, let me give you some background in case you don't keep track of this stuff. Columbia Sportswear makes apparel, footwear, accessories, and outdoor equipment, including some technical stuff. But they're mostly focused on boots and coats, especially high-tech coats that can keep your body warm without making you all sweaty, and winter boots that keep your feet cozy when it's horrible cold out, like it will be when I watch the Eagles versus the Giants this weekend. Now, you might recognize them from their flagship brands like Columbia or Sorel, Mountain Hardware, Prana, among others. Canada Goose has a different niche. They're a small company that's nevertheless become one of the world's leading makers of performance luxury apparel. Their popular fur-lined coats and parkas can sell for hundreds or even thousands of dollars. So how about their trajectories? Okay, for years, Columbia Sportswear was red hot until its stock fell out of favor in 2015 when the company's growth did slow in pretty dramatically. And the numbers just kept on declining. Two years ago, the revenue increased by 25%. Last year, it was up 2.2%. And the weakness continued in the early part of 2017. Columbia had two main problems. The annihilation of bricks-and-mortar retailers that sell so many of their products. And the fact that we had two really warm winters in a row. This is obviously not good for a company that gets much of its money selling coats and boots. However, after spending a couple of years in the penalty box, Columbia seems to be getting its groove back. What turned things around? Well, for starters, investors have gotten a lot more sanguine about retail, in part because so many old school retailers keep delivering excellent numbers, talking about how they're going to have a great holiday season, the first good one in years. Second, Columbia's got a self-help initiative. They're trying to boost brand awareness, improve the customer experience, expand their online direct-to-consumer channels, and generally optimize the whole organization. It's still early. But when the company reported last month, it delivered a strong top and bottom line beat. And even though management actually cut their full year forecast, shaded it down, the stock still rallied. And that is a real sign of incredible confidence in the marketplace for Columbia. All right. How about Canada Goose? Again, this is really a bird of a different feather. 
Canada Goose is a high-quality luxury brand that's become very, very chic. Columbia Sportsroom makes great stuff, but it's not exactly high fashion. Well, Sorrel boots would certainly be that. Now, when I recommended this stock earlier this year, I was very enthusiastic about Canada Goose's numbers. Not only were they generating 30-plus revenue growth, which is terrific, you don't see that kind of percentage very often, but their numbers were accelerating, which is something Wall Street can't get enough of. I also like the company's expansion plans, building out their wholesale relationships, stepping on the gas when it comes to e-commerce, opening a handful of their own stores in major metro areas. More important, when the Goose came public earlier this year, they'd already taken Canada by storm. With around 76% brand awareness in the U.S., this, their brand was, awareness was only at 16% versus Canada, uh, which suggested this thing could have a lot more upside as they try to conquer the U.S. Plus, they also had plans to start selling more than just outerwear, uh, including apparel for the spring and fall, which should give the brand much-needed diversification because everybody said, oh, my, if it's so warm, we'll just bolt from this stock. Uh, that, that proved to be one of the reasons why the stock was so low. And look, if you bought the stock where I recommended it right after it came public, you're now up 64%. So I say the story's playing out pretty well. Now, Canada Goose did sell off a bit over the summer, in part because of profit taking, but also because they held a secondary offering in late June so that its private equity sponsor, Bain Capital, could ring the register. Typically, that kind of move is not a great sign, but the stock has bounced back with a vengeance and just made a new high earlier this year. So the big secondary turned out to be a great buying opportunity. The beauty of the story is that there's really not much noise here. What you see with Canada Goose is what you get. And what you see are some truly fantastic earnings reports. In June, the company delivered some blowout numbers, very strong outlook for the 2018 fiscal year. August, they delivered some stunning numbers, sales up 80%, smaller than expected earnings loss. And remember, summer is the weakest part for these guys. One of the reasons why people didn't like it when we first recommended it and kind of scoffed at it was because they said, oh, what do you got in the summer? It's going to sell off. Well, guess what? It was another opportunity. Fast forward a month ago, Canada Goose posted another excellent quarter. Company sales grew at a 34.7% clip, not as good as the previous quarter, but still better than 2016. Their gross margins expanded dramatically. This is really important for apparel makers. 46.4% up to 50.5%, 410 basis points. A lot of apparel makers were getting crushed at the same time. Talk about a big increase in profitability. Company earned 29 cents a share. Wall Street was only looking for 21. Best of all, management raised its full-year earnings growth forecast from 20% up to 35%. That is, that's just a quantum leap. That's stunning. The new stores are in great shape, particularly the most recently opened ones in Chicago and Tokyo. The new knitwear collection has been very well received. Put it all together and this company's growing like a weed and shows no sign of stopping anytime soon. So where do we go from here? All right, let's talk valuation because that's what's really got one of these stocks in the doghouse. Columbia Sportswear trades at 23 times next year's earnings estimates. Canada Goose, much more expensive sells for 62 times their 2018 numbers. And even on the 2020 numbers, out of a couple of years, the stock sells for 38 times earnings. Then again, Canada Goose has a much faster growth rate, so you're going to pay up for that. Beyond the stocks, though, it's looking like we'll finally have a real winner this year. And generally speaking, outwear in inventories are pretty lean, so these guys likely won't have to do much in the way of markdowns, bane of an apparel maker's existence. That said, Goldman Sachs just downgraded Columbia from buy to neutral earlier this week. And look, arguing that the bull case has mostly played out already, given the recent run of the stock. And I thought mightily about this ahead of this piece, thinking maybe Goldman's going to be right. But let me tell you where I come down on these. Here's the bottom line. If we're going to have a cold winter, then you could do a lot worse than owning either of these stocks. But which would you pick? It depends on you, not me, frankly. 
Columbia Sportswear is more steady, Eddie, a uh, solid risk reward here, although I'd like it more on pullback. Canada Goose is a classic momentum stock. The potential rewards are much greater. But so is the risk if they somehow mess things up, and they sure haven't so far. If you bought Goose on my recommendation, here's what I think. I think you'd ring the register on some of the position because no one ever got hurt taking a profit and use it to go buy yourself a nice sweater or maybe a Canada Goose jacket. And I'd still keep some on because the story is downright fabulous. Ron in California. Ron. Yeah, Jim, I've got a question about Skechers. Yeah, What's Ske- your opinion? Um, I think Skechers is going to have a, a good holiday season. And let's see. I think it, it's, oh, boy, here it is. It's at a 52-week high. But it's still well down from where it traded. So if it pulls back a little bit, I think it's probably a buy. You know, the last quarter was really, really excellent. Okay, this one is from Don in Florida. Uh, Don, go ahead. Hey, Jim, thanks for taking a call. You're the best. Oh, but thank Jim, you. Jim, I'm Hey, I really believe these brick-and-mortar stores are going to come back, and I'm hanging in there with my TJ Maxx, and I'm in at 78. What do you think? Well, you know, we uh, when it ran, uh, we rang the register for uh, We told club members of Actionlers Plus that, you know what, it doesn't have a good line offering, uh, online offering, and the inventories are so lean at the major clothing, apparel, department stores that we fear that they may not have the choice of inventory. So we're not uh, – we're no longer fans of TJX. We think its day has come and gone unless they do something really exciting like Ross has or Burlington. Those are better. Winter is here, and you can do a lot worse than the two prominent winter weather plays. Columbia Sportswear and Canada Goose. You now have the skinny on both. Choose wisely. It's up to you, not me. Much more man buddy ahead, including my exclusive with Centene. With only a few hours left to enroll in Obamacare, I'm talking with the CEO to see how signups could impact its profit potential. Then I'm getting the Yule log ready. Join me during my fireside chat. We'll be taking all your questions and all your calls. Rapid fire sessions of the lightning round. And of course, a look back at the week that was. So stay with Kramer. Monday. Kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. What, you don't like the suit? I'm cold today. I do. It's an old suit, but I was freezing. Uh, no, it's fine. Don't oh, interrupt I wasn't my train giving you a dirty I was look about, about 2018. I wasn't giving you a dirty look about the suit, but if you want to talk about the suit, we can. It's a nice suit. Or how we can change it. It's cold out. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. just happened to the stock of Centene. I mean, here's a company we have liked for a long time, a health plan provider that's specifically set up to profit from government-sponsored programs like Medicaid, Medicare, and the Affordable Care Act, and yet give you terrific care. And frankly, not to toot my own horn, but it's up 65% since the end of last year when we started liking it so much. However, there's some newfound concerns we got to figure out. For one, Obamacare enrollment ends today, and it looks like it will be down versus last year. Doesn't mean they'll be down the whole plan for the nation. For another, the new tax bill ends the individual mandate to buy health insurance, which presumably would hurt Centene's profit if we could really understand what they're doing in Washington. Perhaps most important, just last night, the company announced the 2018 outlook. And to me, the numbers seem to be terrific, but maybe it wasn't blowout enough for the analysts. So the stock got dinged over 4% today. Oh, and the state of Washington didn't help matters when it temporarily halted Centene from selling plans, although they greenlighted them just a little bit after they halted them. 
So are these worries legitimate or are we getting worked up over a tempest in a teapot? Let's check in with Michael Nidorf, who's the chairman and CEO of Centene. Find out what's really going on because we like this stock. Mr. Nidorf, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. All right. Good to be here. Good sir. to see you, Michael. Good to see you. All right. Now, those of us who are suffering through trying to figure out open enrollment know that you're there when it comes to the exchanges. Yes. And yet Washington banned you, the state of Washington, and then said you're okay. I mean, this is clearly not the kind of confusion that we want for people trying to figure yeah. out their health care. There was a dispute with a provider on, on fees and some other things. Some, they, they got some of their patients to complain. The state jumped into it, as they should. Right. Okay? And they met with our people over a period of time. It's been resolved. The press release is out. We're re-enrolling. It lasted about eight hours. And Washington can roll a little bit, I'm told, can roll longer in the state plan. So it was a tempest in a teapot. It, it took, we took a hit on the stock over it because right. we had a very successful yeah. investor day today. I went through the investor day, I've got to tell you, because I've known you now. You're yeah. a straight shooter. And I kept thinking, all right, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? The analysts all loved everybody. And then I hit up the news and I couldn't believe it because this is crunch time for a lot of people in the country. That's right. You know, we're, we're, we're going to be up. I think we... we I mean, you're up year over year, so year unlike the nation. Year. We talked about uh, right. 100,000. Now, some of the things they did would, was guaranteed to reduce the enrollment. I mean, right. Sunday from noon to midnight, they service the system. That's when the most enrollment takes place. Things of that nature. So I expect this down. We had our direct enrollment programs. They worked. Our lines were backlogged like you can't believe right now. People trying to get in. We're going to have a very successful... It's at the high end of our margins, above them. Mm-hmm. So this is a good program. People are basically happy. Re-enrollments are good. The, the plan, the numbers, were ahead of consensus. Okay. Things well, are in good shape. Okay, but let's talk about what they are doing right now in Washington. I mean, uh, there, uh, there's, a, there's a concerted effort to eviscerate yeah. uh, the ACA. And you have always told us, look, we can figure out what to do with or without, but you got to know what you have to deal with. I mean, can you make any sense of what's going on? Well, no. What I understand is we've moved from policy to politics, and we continue to maintain that we're going to deal with the facts as we have them today, because there is no clear direction where it's going. It moves from second to second, one vote to one vote. It's just impossible to figure it, but it's worked for us. Do what you think is right at the time. I had a panel today on the ACA, credible. They, they all, we all agreed, keep moving down the line. Right. We will fix it. All right, now, how about the acquisition, Fidelis? I mean, that's a gigantic acquisition. Okay. Is any of this pushback or anything by what's going on with the now politics and no. not policy? No. Fidelis, the integration program is in place right. going. We're moving through the regulatory approvals. I am told that the state really has very little issues. They understand Centene. And what we bring to the party in medical management and good systems. You know, they're working with the church on how, what their mission when they get all this money. Right. So we're calling it an April 1 close. Okay. So if, if we have to look at what our people are most confused about, we've got the Washington, we've got policy, policy. But you just literally painted a fabulous picture, and your stock is much cheaper than the other companies in this business. Do you think it's because of a misunderstanding that you are really relying on government programs when none of the, 
I, I don't get it. I expect the stock, if we had not had this Washington issue yeah. today, you would have been looking at stock probably 7-plus percent up. I said the same thing this morning. I'm glad you said because I said, this centine is going to rocket at that analyst meeting in the morning show. And then I couldn't figure out what well, the heck happened. If, if you look at the analyst notes. Right. We, they we were all, I have everyone, and they're all, and they're all uniformly positive. positive. Everybody felt good about it. They, they, they said it was one of the best day, investor days they'd been and in. And I felt so, too, when I read through it. I think well, you've got a good. great company, and this is the only one of the rare buying opportunities in this whole group, let yeah. alone your stock. That's Michael Nader, President and CEO of Centene Corp. I think you're getting a gift here. I'm not kidding. I know this group, and this stock should not be down as much as it is. Mad Money's back after the break. It is time! It's time for the light round! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski! Got it! Time for the light round! Let's start with Boomer in Maine. Boomer! Booyah, Jimbo! Happy Friday, man. How you doing? Oh, man, it's Friday. I'm great. How about you? I'm doing well. Hey, I want to know if PayPal right now is an attractive buy because of its recent dip. Thank you. Love you, Jimmy. Ah, easy enough, right? Shulman's just delivery and delivery and delivery. How about Lee in Arizona? Lee. Booyah, Jim, from Booyah. sunny Arizona. How can I help? My stock is EGRX. Um, no. Uh, especially pharma that I don't care for. Don't buy. Don't buy. Okay, let's go to Harold in Maryland. Howard. How you doing? It's Harold. How you doing, Kramer? Uh, doing good, Harold. How about you? Yeah, thanks for everything. Uh, I had a question on FTR. Uh, what would be your recommendation to hold, sell, or buy more? I'm not sure. What do you think? Wow, that was hard. And let's go to Ed in Nevada, please, Ed. Hello, Jim. Vegas Strong. I lost my shirt. With CenturyLink, not in the casinos, but CenturyLink. What do you think our future is? I think you're going to lose your pants it? next, okay? Whoa, you'll be naked. How about Stephen in Massachusetts? Stephen. Hey, Jim, how you doing? I am I'm good. I'm wondering about Skyworks. Hey, it's overdone to been... the downside. I'd pick it up in the low 90s. How about Joanne in Ohio? Joanne. Hey, yeah. Booyah. Booyah, Joanne. What's up? I want to know something about Cisco Systems. Cisco, anytime it's below 38, you can pull the trigger. I think it's cheap now. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Tony in New York, Tony. Baba Booey. Nice. Jim. Hey, Jim Big Booyah, how are you? Remember, there's a lot of tax law selling here. Oh, shoot. Got to change that. They were so pro-scale that by the end of these meetings, I thought they wanted me to develop psoriasis. But is the stock ready to rebound? Oh, give the stock some real life. But it... What? I'd rather have Teva Sandals than Teva Pharmaceutical. Which asset is the most to lose by Bitcoin's discovery? It's not. It's still too long. Just a sec. I'm getting mindful. All right, I feel better already. And now, a fireside chat with Jim Cramer. 
weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we have no place to go, let the phones go. You get the point. People love this last time. We're doing it again. As one year ends and another begins, we're taking the time to give thanks to the holiday season and reflect on our plans for 2018. The year's quickly coming to an end. I, I want to be ready to invest in the new year, right, don't you? So grab some hot chocolate or maybe something a little bit stronger like this brown tequila. Uh, not really. It's reposado. And the floor is yours, Kramerica. Let's take some questions. I'd like to start with Curtis in North Carolina. Curtis. Hello, Jim. Good evening. How are you and the Mad Money team? Oh, Curtis, the team is so great. They make me look good, particularly the makeup person. What's up? Man, that's it. I just want to take a moment here to wish uh, you guys a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah up north here. Oh, thank you. I I have to tell you, if you knew how much we all love each other, you'd say it can't be. It can't be TV, but it is. What's up? Man, you got a fine operation there, Mr. Kramer. But anyway... Jim, I'm wondering this holiday season how you feel about, you know, being in like a, a mid-cap fund in the U.S. market for the long term. And with, on, with that, do you think that if the tax reform goes through, Jim, will it have a more of a beneficial effect on mid-caps than, say, the S&P 500 big stops? Uh, I, I think absolutely. I think it will because mid-caps tend to be domestic. So you're not dealing with companies that have far-flung operations that won't benefit from a lower corporate tax rate. I think that is absolutely the right thing to do. And I think you got... Real horse sense, Curtis. And thank you for the nice comments. Let's go to Al in Florida. Al. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Go ahead. We're oh, floors oh, yours. Sorry, I can hear you. Sorry, Jim, I couldn't hear you. Uh, oh, thanks for taking my call. I just had uh, some questions for you. Sure. Uh, regarding three, three stocks I socked away in my Roth IRA. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, first one, well, I've got right now, it's uh, Applied Materials, Alibaba, and Blackstone Group for the dividend. And I'm kind of torn between, uh, right now, I guess you'd say, I feel like I'm buying furniture in a dark room. Because I've had them since their 52-week high. They all, I'm down about 6% on Alibaba and, and Applied Materials. And uh, I'm down about 8% on Blackstone. So what I was wondering is if you would suggest maybe... Uh, because I have enough for maybe one more equity right. in either diversifying into line technologies, uh, get into the medical sector. Okay. I seem to, you know, think there's a lot of growth there. Right. Or should I uh, add uh, to my position in one of the other three and average okay. down my price? Or should I also unload Blackstone Group? Because I've been looking at APO and APAM with the same dividend, comparable dividend yield. Okay. And maybe going into one of those instead of Blackstone because it's been dead wood and no, no Blackstone. Sell. Blackstone's real good. Don't don't please do not sell it. Okay, Alibaba is a buy right here. It's come down a little too much. All right, I think that's good. Applied Materials is an excellent company, but next week on Tuesday, Micron reports symbol MU. They are a big customer of the semiconductor capital equipment companies. So if they report a disappointing quarter at all, you'll be able to get Applied Materials at a better price. But I think Amat is a Great company for the next 10 years, not necessarily the next 10 days, but the next 10 years. I don't really want you to do anything. I really, I like your thinking. I think you've got some good ones. Don't mess around. Let's go to Mark in Nevada, please. Mark. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? Uh, I wish I were out in Nevada. How about you? What's going on? You're right. It's in the 60s and we got no snow. <laughs> um, man, my buddy Matt Horwitz out there writes with me. It would be so much fun. But go ahead. Let's go to well, work. We- Okay, well, here's the question. With all the talk of the tax cuts, the equity markets, every time you say tax cuts, they bounce up. 
But on the bond market side, uh, it's been not a lot of movement. And I was wondering why, as a matter of fact, the yield curve has actually been flattening. I was wondering why, with the prospects of rising deficits and uh, potentially rising growth, and there was some high wholesale inflation in November, why we aren't seeing the yields bump up just a little bit. All right, first of all, we know we want that, Mark, and we want the Federal Reserve to dump its bonds. I'm not kidding. We need a little what's known as inflection, so the banks will uh, get money from your deposit and lend them out and make a little more money, so they'll do more lending, because lending's actually going down in the country. Secondly, we've got some European inflation numbers that if they're not hot, Europe will keep its rates low. And I've got to tell you, its rates are so low that people keep putting their money here, which keeps our rates down. And finally, you know, I've got to tell you, this market is immune to what they're doing in Washington. The economy is, you know, I think it's going to run hot, but there's still enough slack that there's not enough demand for money. It's, I, I, it's a real hard thing to understand. Stick with Kramer. monster tech rally today. And I've got to tell you, I think it continue if Micron reports a good number next week. Now, Nelson Peltz after the close. Yes, from Tryon on the board at Procter & Gamble. I cannot wait to talk to him next week about his plan for what he'd like to do at P&G. I've got to tell you, that one might be one you want to buy. That group has lagged. And I think it'll be worth a lot more with Nelson on the board. Like I say, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you. Radio Man Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you Monday. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.